0: Turn your Bibles, please, to the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 15. We're continuing in our series, Mark's Biblical Answers to Puzzling Questions. Today, we're looking at the first 15 verses of Mark and considering the question, Art thou the king? Mark chapter 15, I'll begin reading at verse 1. And straightway in the morning the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council and bound Jesus and carried him away and delivered him to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, Art thou the king of the Jews? And he answering said unto him, Thou sayest it. And the chief priests accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. And Pilate asked him again saying answerest thou nothing behold how many things they witness against thee but Jesus yet answered nothing so that Pilate marveled now at that feast he released unto them one prisoner whomsoever they desired and there was one named Barabbas which lay bound with them that had made insurrection with him who had committed murder in this insurrection. And the multitude, crying aloud, began to desire him to do as he had ever done unto them. But Pilate answered them, saying, Will ye that I release unto you the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priest had delivered him for envy. But the chief priest moved the people, that he should rather release Barabbas unto them. And Pilate answered and said unto them, What will ye then that I shall do unto him whom ye call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him. Then Pilate said unto them, Why? What evil hath he done? And they cried out, The more exceedingly, Crucify him. So Pilate, willing to content the people, released Barabbas unto them and delivered Jesus when he had scourged him to be crucified. This passage, as well as the other three Gospels, tell us of this incident of Jesus before Pilate. It is recorded, as we said, in all four Gospels. It's in Matthew chapter 27, verses 11 through 26, Luke chapter 23, the first six verses, and then John chapter 18, verses 28 through 40. And the question comes up, Art thou the king of the Jews? That is the question Pilate asked Jesus. The fact of the matter is, it is a question that every person alive needs to be asking, him or herself. Considering as they stand before the Lord, symbolically, is he really the king? If he is, what are you going to do with him? What are you going to do about that particular knowledge? I trust today each of us have come to the conclusion that Jesus Christ is the king, not only the king of the Jews, but he's also the king of heaven and earth. He is the king of our hearts. A good deal is said about kings in scripture. I want to take just a few minutes to lay the groundwork for this particular passage and what goes on here. The word king is found 1,756 times in scripture and occurs five times here in Mark chapter 15. The term is generally used to denote one invested with authority. There are 186 specific kings mentioned in scripture along with 20 queens. The Hebrew kings did not rule in their own right nor in the name of the people who had chosen them. Their place was to be servants and representatives of Jehovah, the true king of Israel. A good king was one who recognized that responsibility and his position before the Lord God of heaven, and he ruled accordingly. The problem was there weren't that many good kings in Judah, and there were no good kings in in Israel. But the problem for many of those kings and any heathen king was they did not understand their place before the Lord in regard to their given responsibility. Now in our text, Jesus is before Pontius Pilate, who is the procurator of Judea, kind of like a governor, but he was directly responsible to the Roman emperor for his administrative and financial management of the country. Pilate was experienced in public affairs, in military issues, and in governmental responsibilities. He held his office for 10 years which shows he was deeply trusted by the Roman government. However, the Jews despised Pilate, and he as well despised them. The Jews hated Pilate for two specific reasons. The first was on his state visits to Jerusalem. He rode into the city with the Roman standard, an eagle sitting atop a pole remember the Jews would have nothing to do with idols. All previous governors would not follow that practice so as not to offend the Jews. Pilate was more of an in-your-face type leader, and as a result had his troop march into the city of Jerusalem, raising that eagle standard high. Well, they didn't like that. And secondly, He launched the construction of a new water supply for Jerusalem. You say, well, that's a good thing. (laughs) Well, along with projects come what? Taxes. So to finance the project, he took the money out of the temple treasury. That didn't go well for the Jews either. Because they never forgave him for that, they bitterly opposed Pilate throughout his reign, and he treated them with equal contempt. Now, on several occasions, Jewish leaders threatened to exercise their right to report Pilate to the emperor, and that disturbed him greatly, because the last thing he wanted was to look bad before the Roman emperor, because it would mean he would lose his position, his authority. Well, here you have it. The ruling body of the Jews, the Sanhedrin, they met to finalize their charges against Jesus, which had to be strong enough to convince the Romans. You see, the Jews had their own religious governing body, but they had no civil authority because the area was under Roman control. The Romans were the only ones who could condemn someone to death. The Jews were determined to have Jesus put to death. So they had to generate these charges, these false claims about the Lord, and present them to the Roman governor so that he would declare Jesus guilty and he would go ahead and sentence him to death. The Jews couldn't do it. They didn't have that power. They didn't have that authority. This is the situation now. They have gone ahead and amassed their witnesses, their charges, and they, they had held their mock trial with the high priest. And uh, now they bring Jesus to Pilate to issue these charges. So Pilate's treatment of Jesus in this setting clearly demonstrates some characteristics of the morally weak. Weaknesses which may very well prevent anyone from coming to the Lord Jesus Christ and acknowledging Jesus is the King. You have the weakness of indecision, Compromise and fear. And we're going to look at that this morning. So notice verses 2, 3, 4, and 5, you see the weakness of indecision. And Pilate asked him, Art thou the king of the Jews? And he answering said unto him, Thou sayest, This morally weak person, I'm talking about Pilate, this morally weak person's indecisiveness led him to reject Jesus despite the strong evidence at his disposal. You know, it's amazing when somebody is so indecisive, they can have all the facts laid out in front of them and they still will say, man, I just don't know about that. They cannot bring themselves to come to a conclusion and to decide what is right and what isn't, or what they should do and what they shouldn't do. Pilate had that opportunity. He stood before the Lord. He knew what had been going on. Understand, Jesus had been involved in his earthly ministry now for three years, and there had been much ado about the ministry of Christ in the Jewish community and as well among the Romans. So they knew about him. Pilate wasn't meeting Jesus here and hearing about all of this for the first time. No doubt it's the first time he laid eyes on him, but it's not the first time he was confronted with this information. Notice he examined Jesus's authority and he examined Jesus's answer. Pilate asked him, art thou the king of the Jews? What was the major charge the Jews had brought against Christ? He claimed to be king. And of course, the Jews, wanting to get their way, said, well, there's only one king. Pretty sad. When you think about it, they used the political setting to their advantage. Had they been right with God, they would have acknowledged God is the only king and they would have recognized in Holy Writ that this was the Son of God and would acknowledge Jesus Christ as king. But they didn't like that. They didn't like the idea, and, and let's understand something here. They knew the king was coming. It's not that they denied the king was going to come. They were looking for the return of their Messiah. There were two lines of prophecy in the Old Testament. It's been pictured a lot of times in studies and things as two streams or two branches. You have this stream, this river coming along that declares the Messiah is coming. And then it breaks off into two branches and goes in different directions. One branch looks at all the prophecies concerning the Messiah coming as the ruling and reigning king as the Lord, as the one who will sit upon the throne of David, as the one who will silence and defeat the enemies of God and the enemies of God's people. That stream prophesied that the mighty king would come and he would rule and reign. The Jews liked that line of prophecy. They said, that's the king we want. The second stream, the second grouping of prophecies in the Old Testament foretold one who would come as a suffering servant he would be one who would sit upon the foal of an ass he would be one who would stand silent before his accusers he would be bruised and beaten and suffer and die for the sin of mankind the jews didn't want that kind of a king You see, the problem was they were under such civil authority. They'd been under the Greek rule, under Greek's rule. They're now under uh, Roman rule. They wanted somebody that would sit on a throne and give them their freedom. So they wanted a king who would come with power. They weren't real thrilled about that king who would come with great passion for all mankind. That is one reason they rejected Jesus as the Messiah, because... People don't understand the second coming of Christ in those two streams. It's two different times. The second coming is in two parts. The first coming is when he came as a suffering servant back nearly 2,000 years ago when we have the story in the Gospels. And then the second coming where he comes to rule and reign is yet future when Christ will return after the seven-year tribulation period. He will destroy the enemies of God. He will go ahead and imprison Satan and cast him in the in bottomless pit for a thousand years. And he will rule and reign. Jesus will sit upon the throne of David in Jerusalem, literally for a thousand years for his millennial reign. The problem is, again, The Jews didn't like the idea or the possibility that this Jesus could be their coming king. So that was the charge. That's what they brought against him. So here Pilate is examining Jesus in that light. When he said, art thou the king of... Of the Jews. What he's doing is saying, The one who stands here before me, are you the one that claims to be a king? He doesn't see any revolutionary fire in his eyes. He doesn't see any act of rebellion or dissension or someone who's trying to overtake or overpower the, uh, the Roman government. All he sees is one who cares about others and who's given his life in ministry to those. Remember, Jesus said he came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. You see, he who alleged to be the lion of the tribe of Judah and who would one day sit upon the throne of David, who would bear the scepter of God and render judgment upon the face of the earth. Pilate said it. Is that who you are? You don't look like a king. You look like a commoner. You don't look like anyone who deserves the title of king. So really what Pilate is asking here, he's wondering, how could this man be a king? Remember, Jesus was one who said, I am meek and lowly in heart. And then when Pilate not only considered his appearance, he considered his answer. Pilate asked him, Art thou the king of the Jews? And he answering said unto him, Thou sayest it. It meant unmistakably what thou sayest is true. Jesus was emphatically claiming to be king. Remember, there are those out there who profess to be Christians who claim Jesus never said anything about being king. He came as a great teacher. He came as a prophet. He came as a minister. He came as a servant. But he never said anything in his ministry about being king. Well, that's not true. John four twenty-five and twenty-six, Jesus speaking to the woman at the well. The woman said unto him, I know that Messiah is cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. She's referring to the coming Messiah. What was Christ's answer? Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am He. She was sitting Before the Messiah, the disciples had the opportunity, the privilege to walk with the Messiah for those three years of their earthly ministry. And now Pilate stands before him, looking him eye to eye and speaking with him face to face. In John's account of this trial, Jesus explained he was not a threat to Caesar or any other civil government. For he said, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? And Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am king. To this end was I born. And for this cause came I into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. While well, you consider Jesus' not only his speech, but his silence. Pilate was dumbfounded after Jesus made that statement. And then we notice in verse 3, And the chief priest accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. So they had their accusations all lined up. But in fulfillment of Isaiah 53, verse 7, he was oppressed. And he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. Pilate marveled at Jesus' lack of response. You see this referred to three times here. Verse 3, Jesus answered nothing. Pilate says, "Answerest thou nothing in verse 4. And then in verse 5, But Jesus yet answered nothing. And because of that, Pilate marveled. The word "marvel" means to admire, to have an admiration, or to wonder. Pilate's thinking, how can this man be silent in this situation? All that he sees in regard to this, these false accusations, yet indecision led him to his pending destruction. He couldn't bring himself to say, thou art the king. Instead, he asked, art thou the king? He was torn between facts and feelings, and he couldn't make up his mind. Notice verses 6 through 10. You have the weakness of compromise, not only indecision, but compromise. Here the scene was set. Jesus had been accused and condemned to die by the Jewish court, although they couldn't carry out this sentence. So he was delivered to Gentile authority so that Pilate could pass this final sentence of execution. However, Pilate did know Jesus was innocent. And so Pilate says, well, rather than being a strong leader that said, no, y'all are wrong, he's innocent, we're going to let him go. He thinks, I'm going to strike a deal to try and ease the tension between myself and the Jews. So he said, we have a tradition where every year at this time, we release a prisoner to you. So he says, well, we'll just go ahead and make this little compromise. How about if I release Jesus? See, the problem is when you choose to ignore the truth and compromise or make a league with error, it leads to devastating circumstances. And that's what happened in this situation. Rather than say to the Jews, no, this man's innocent. I'm going to release him. You have no reason to have him put to death. Your charges are false. Your claims are unsubstantiated. He's going to go. But no. He says, well, let's go ahead and work this out. He figured by making that offer that they would jump at it. But instead, priests had people go through the crowd. And they demanded the release of Barabbas. Not much is said in scripture about Barabbas, but we do know he was one guilty of insurrection and murder. How sad that the Jewish religious leadership of the day would reject the Messiah for a murderer. Pilate tried to strike a deal with the Jews so he'd come out smelling like a rose, but it didn't happen See, indecision and then compromise. Someone has said compromise leads believers to unite with those who are opposed to the truth of God's word. Remember, Jesus declared, ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Rather than Pilate making a decision based on what was true, he made a decision based on what was beneficial to him in connection with the Jews. Indecision caused his downfall. Compromise caused caused his downfall. And then notice, fear caused his downfall. Verses 11 through 15. But the chief priests moved the people that he should rather release Barabbas unto them. And Pilate answered and said unto them again, What will ye then that I shall do unto him whom ye call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, crucify him. Notice what he says in verse 14. Why? What evil hath he done? And they cried out the more exceedingly, crucify him. Pilate knew he lost control of the situation and fear for his position, fear for his place of authority, fear for his status in Roman leadership became more important to him than his eternal soul. What shall it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul, the scripture asks. Pilate made a bad choice. Pilate, though he stood before the Messiah, asking, art thou the king? When he knew the answer, because of fear, he couldn't bring himself to side with Jesus. See, those who are set on evil will try to influence others in order to get their way. And they'll be successful when dealing with those of weak character. Look at what's gone on across the country with the rioting and the violence and the, the, the out-of-control crime in so many cities. Why? Because people of lesser character, people of weaker moral value, moral values, have chosen to be influenced by others. And one of the big reasons is fear. Not so much the threat that those people are to them, but the threat they claim the government And our way of life here in America is to them. There are people who actually believe, they've been taught all through their school years, it's being taught in colleges and universities across America, that the American way of life is harmful and dangerous and will lead to destruction. That's why people are so bent on pushing for a one world government and a governmental system, a world system that everybody will be required to conform to. People are afraid that we as Americans enjoying the lifestyle that we have are not only destroying our nation, but we're destroying the world, we're destroying the planet. They believe we're going to kill the planet. How foolish. Fear. Fear will lead people to do some foolish things. But When people fail to acknowledge that which is true, then fear can easily overcome them. Remember, God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. When we look to God and his word, we can be confident, we, we know what God is, uh, that God is in control and he is going to work things out according to his will and his plan. We don't need to be afraid of what's going on around us in connection to this is jesus the king is he your king you know some people will allow fear to keep them from embracing that truth the tragedy is they don't recognize what they're doing in regard to their eternal destiny first john chapter 2 who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ. He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father, but he that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. A lot of folks today, faced with the question, art thou the King? And they cannot bring themselves, because of indecision, Compromise with error or fear. They cannot bring themselves to recognize Jesus Christ is the Lord and could be their Lord if they would only receive him. Pilate's indecision, compromise and fear prevented him from acknowledging Jesus is the Christ. These are the same reasons countless millions have passed on into eternity and not being saved. Close with this last thought. Much has been written and said about kings and leaders throughout human history. But when you consider the course of history, kings, princes, presidents, and dictators have sent their subjects into battle to die for them. But only once in human history has a king not sent his subjects to die for him, but instead he went. To die for them. This is Jesus Christ. The king eternal. Who rules and reigns in the hearts of every man, woman, boy and girl. Who willingly bows before him. And receives him as their savior. Their God. Their king. Art thou the king. Is one of the greatest questions asked in scripture. And if someone desires to go to heaven. They must answer in the affirmative. Yes, Jesus is the king. Jesus is my king.